0: Good morning. Good morning, take your Bibles and turn to the first chapter of Luke, Luke chapter 1 and as you can see on the screen, a four word title for this message today, his name is John. You know the Old Testament ended with a promise from God to his people In Malachi chapter 4 and verse 5. The prophet said, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. And in chapter 3 and verse 1 of Malachi, he said, Behold, I'm going to send my messenger, and he will clear or prepare the way before me. And so the people waited. They had waited already for hundreds of years for the coming of the Messiah. And they watched for the appearing of the forerunner, because they knew that when the forerunner appeared, that the Messiah would not be far behind him. They waited and waited, knowing that the dawning of the Son of Righteousness would arise with healing in its wings and dispel the darkness, as the prophet had prophesied. But nothing happened after Malachi's prophecy for 400 years, nothing Someone said that the night is darkest before the dawn, and certainly they were living in dark times. That would have been true in the days of Herod, the king of Israel. They were dark times indeed. It couldn't have been a darker time for the Jewish people. But in the middle, in the middle of that gloom and distress that Larry talked about in our call to worship, God sent an angel named Gabriel to a humble priest named Zacharias and then to a humble peasant girl, Named Mary. He told Zacharias, Your wife, Elizabeth, though barren, is going to bear you a son. He'll be the forerunner of the Messiah. He will turn the hearts of many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will make ready for the Lord a prepared people. He told the peasant girl, Mary, You're going to have a son, and he'll be the Savior of the whole world. You're to call His name Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. He will sit on the throne of David. And of His reign over the house of Jacob, it will last forever. And of His kingdom there will be no end. So after that, Mary, as we talked about last week, went to visit with Zacharias and Elizabeth. She stayed with them for three months. Elizabeth had been in the sixth month of her pregnancy when Mary went. Did Mary stay until John was born? We don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But one commentator said this. He said, among the comforting realities in Scripture is that God's promises are true and will certainly come to pass. And indeed they would for Zacharias and Elizabeth and for Mary and Joseph, her betrothed husband. All of God's promises always come true, right? Joshua chapter 21 verse 45 says, Not one of the good promises which the Lord had made to the house of Israel failed. All came to pass. Paul reminded the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 1.20, For as many as may be the promises of God in him... They are yes, because as the writer of Hebrews knows, in Hebrews 10, 23, he who promised is faithful. So God's word, his promises would come true. The word spoken by the prophets 400 years earlier would come true. But still, after 400 years of silence from God, I'm sure the people were thinking, is it ever going to happen? When will the Messiah come? When will this messenger, this forerunner, when when will he appear? And so we pick up the story today in verse 57 of Luke chapter 1. Verse 57. Now the time had come, boy, that phrase, (laughs) the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her relatives heard that the Lord had displayed His great mercy toward her, and they were rejoicing with her. And it came about that on the eighth day they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to call him Zacharias after his father. And his mother answered and said, No indeed, but he shall be called John. And they said to her, There's no one among your relatives who's called by that name. They made signs to his father as to what he wanted him called. And he asked for a tablet and wrote as follows, His name is John. And they were all astonished. And at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he began to speak in praise of God. And fear came on all those living around them, and all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. So verse 57 indeed is an interesting verse as it says there. Now the time had come. After 400 years since Malachi had prophesied, the time had finally come. The time had come first of all for the birth. The time had come for Elizabeth to give birth. And she brought forth a son, verse 57 tells us. And on that day her husband, Zacharias, still could not speak. And in all likelihood he could not hear as well. Since they're going to make signs to him later on, we would assume that he couldn't hear either. So he couldn't speak, and all likelihood he couldn't hear. And remember, because he doubted the Word of God, he was denied the opportunity to hear from God or to speak for God, even though he was a priest and prophet of God. So the child is born. And another eight days passed. Zechariah still couldn't speak or hear a word. The time had come for the circumcision of this new baby, Zechariah's son, which would take place on the eighth day, as it did in the Jewish culture. And all the neighbors and all of the relatives gathered around, not not just because the child had been born, not just because he's going to be circumcised on the eighth day, but they gathered there to have their say, and the naming of the child. How would you like it if a lot of your relatives showed up to give you advice on what to name the child? did that happen? (laughs) Anybody give you any ideas? Well, in Jewish culture, this was not unusual for a number of people, relatives, and, and even neighbors to be a part of naming the child. In fact, in Ruth chapter 4, verse 17, It says, the neighbor women gave the son of Ruth and Boaz the name Obed. All right? So this one's unusual. The name Obed meant servant. He became the father of Jesse, who was the father of King David. An important birth, an important name. So a similar situation's taken place here, and they wanted to name this boy Zacharias after his father. Now, Naming a boy after his father was not unusual. It was not uncommon. It was more common to name a, a boy after his grandfather. Well, they wanted to name him Zacharias, verse 60 tells us. And Elizabeth answered emphatically, No, he shall be called John. And they were totally caught off guard by this name, John. They said to her, Well, none of your relatives is called by that name in verse 61. And verse 62 says, They made signs to Zacharias as to what he would have him called. Now, indeed, of Zacharias' death, he didn't get any hint from Mary when she said emphatically, His name is John. He wouldn't have heard that. And so he, in some way, makes motions to have a tablet brought to him so that he can write. And he wrote his name. Is John and they were all astonished his response was fast his response was firm his response was full of faith and in verse 64 it says and at once his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed and he began to speak in praise of God at once those words at once are the same words used 13 times in the New Testament in association with the healing of a sickness or a disease. And it means at once. It means immediate. It was instantaneous. Contrary to some of the miracles of so-called faith healers today, who may say, well, now go check with your doctor on that, or it may take a few weeks or whatever. No, this healing was instantaneous. It was immediate. Dr. John Phillips said the old priest's last word had been one of doubt. His first word now was one of delight. Then he had asked for a sign. Now he wanted to sing. <laughs> and so now Zacharias can speak. And you know what he said? Well, he began to talk about how great God is. He began to bless the name of the Lord. As you read verses 65 and 66, talks about how Zacharias spoke to them. And no doubt, I think he probably had a lot to say about what he had experienced, about what had happened in the temple when Gabriel showed up, and how he hadn't believed it was possible for his barren old wife to bear him a son in his old age, and how the angel said, you won't be able to speak or to hear, and that's exactly what you've seen happen in my life. And so you can imagine all that he had to say. The Bible says fear came on all the neighbors. They knew something was up. They knew something special had happened. They heard about all these things and they spread the news all around the hill country of Judea telling people the the story that they had heard. The People wondered, what kind of a child will this be? Because it was obvious that the hand of the Lord was upon him. Well, if John was the forerunner of the Messiah, that meant the Messiah couldn't be very far behind. So there was a lot of excitement surrounding the birth of this boy named John. Suddenly, filled with the Spirit, this obscure, humble priest took his place among the prophets and proceeded to pronounce the blessing in verses 67 through 79. Now Zacharias' outburst of praise and worship was prompted by the astounding events that had just taken place for three months. I mean, you remember... He and Elizabeth had hosted Mary, who had been in their home. And no doubt, I think Zacharias probably had a lot of questions on his writing tablet, whatever that was, to ask Mary. Elizabeth had now given birth to the messenger. Soon, Mary would be giving birth to the Messiah. And so filled with the Holy Spirit, his heart full from watching God work these past nine months and eight days, his first words were these in verse 68. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for He has visited us and accomplished redemption for His people. His song is called the Benedictus. You may have that as a heading in your Bible. It's not merely a reflection of His joy of being a father, although every father that's had a son knows that joy, but it was, it was far more than that. His words expressed A far more significant truth that the redemption that God had promised in the Old Testament was now coming to pass. So listen and read along as we look at these words spoken by Zacharias, as sung by Zacharias. Verse 67, His father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear in holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go on before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give to His people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise from on high shall visit us, to shine upon those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Wow. In that song, Zacharias has something to say, I think, about five different things. Number one, first of all, he has something to say about the Savior. In verses 68 and 69, he talks about God was coming to visit His people. Because Jesus was who? He's Savior and He's God. God is coming to visit His people because Jesus is Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Yeah. He was coming as Redeemer and He was coming as Ruler. And He also uses this phrase, God has lifted up a horn of salvation. That's an Old Testament expression that would have referred to the Messiah coming like a powerful animal that would lower his horns and drive out his enemies and deliver his people. So he talks about the Savior. Secondly, he talks about the Scriptures. The Scriptures, verses 70 through 73. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. He's referring... To all of these Old Testament prophecies, Larry shared some of them this morning from Isaiah. That we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all that hate us. Now, that hadn't happened yet. In fact, then that day, the Jewish people were being crushed under the heel of Rome. They, they were an oppressed people. So why does Zacharias say this as if it's already happened? Well, he's prophesying. And as I said last week... Prophecy is just history written in advance. He's speaking as if it's already done. He's proclaiming or prophesying an end to all of that. The day would come when God would deliver His people from their enemies. Some of those promises were yet to be fulfilled. Others had already been fulfilled. And in those Old Testament promises of God's mercy, he's referring specifically to the ones made to Abraham, and those were incredibly important to the Jews. You can read about them in Genesis chapter 15 and chapter 17. The promises God made to the Jewish people, not only were they personal and spiritual, they were also territorial, indicating the places where they would live. They were unconditional. And Joshua said, as I quoted before in Joshua 21, verse 45, not one, not one of the good promises that God made to Israel failed. They all came to pass. And Zacharias is praising God for keeping all of His promises to His people. So he talks about the scriptures. Thirdly, he has something to say about their service. Their service in verse 74. To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear. The nation of Israel had been chosen by God to serve Him, and to make Him known among the nations. But they failed. Miserably, they failed. They were to uphold God's standard of holiness. Instead, they imitated the pagan people around them and worshipped the gods of those pagan people instead of staying with the one true God. So Zacharias prayed they might be delivered from the hand of their enemies, that they might serve God again without fear. Fourthly, he speaks about their sanctification in verse 75. And holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Zacharias knew that only a holy people, only a set-apart people, could reflect their God and represent their God. He knew what it was like to doubt God and not believe and not be able to hear from God or speak for God. That was his own personal testimony. So he spoke about that. He blessed God and asked God that they might be a holy people, a sanctified people, completely set apart. And then he did something interesting because next he had something to say about his own son. In verses 76 through 79, it's almost like he picks John up out of the cradle and speaks to him personally. And he says to him, You will be called the prophet of the Most High. You will go before the Lord and prepare His ways. You will tell people about His salvation and how they can receive the forgiveness of their sins. And then he tells this newborn child, How special the Messiah is going to be. He says to him, he's coming down from heaven. He will give light to those who sit in darkness. And even in the shadow of death, he will guide their feet into the path and way of peace. This was going to be an incredibly special person. No one like him had ever come before and no one would be like him afterwards. He was going to be the deliverer, the redeemer, the Messiah. Things were going to change when he showed up. Things will change for you too when you let Jesus be your Lord. Jesus can bring light into your darkness as well. He will guide your feet into the way of peace. You know, none of you are the light. Neither am I. So let's not even think that. We're not even a spotlight. In fact, I hate to break it to you, we're not even a flashlight. Just about all we are is maybe a little pin light. Okay? But you know, even if all we are is a little pin light, when we get around other Christians with their little pin lights, they can all come together and shine a very bright light. And if there's one thing that our world needs today, it's light. It's light. When people are around us, there ought to be some hope. When people are around us as Christians, there ought to be some encouragement. All because we shine our little light. Just a little bit of Jesus. Because not like John the Baptist, he was the one who prepared the way for Christ. But in the same way, we ought to open doors to people's hearts and people's minds to Jesus. We ought to prepare people to see Jesus and accept Jesus, at least in a small way. And Zacharias here is holding his little baby, and in his mind's eye, he says to him, Listen, the one that is coming, the one whose way that you will prepare, he's going to be amazing. He's going to give light to people sitting in darkness. And even when they're in the midst of the shadow of death, He will guide their feet into the way of peace. This is an amazing song that Zacharias sung. Later on, the Apostle John would speak of this John, John the Baptist in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and say, There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light but came that he might bear witness of the light. And listen, that ought to be your story. And that ought to be my story. We are not the light, but we ought to bear witness of the light. Even if it's just a little pin light, that wherever we go, we give a little bit of light to people a little bit of encouragement, a little bit of Jesus. And even when they walk in the shadow of death, we can help guide their feet into peace. So Zacharias talks about the birth, and he talks about the blessing, and then he talks about the boy, Luke does, one verse. One verse to cover the entire childhood and all the teenage years of John the Baptist. With the end of Zechariah's song, it's like the curtain falls on John the Baptist, and we'll pick his story back up over in chapter 3 when we get to that. But did you know we're given fewer details about John the Baptist's childhood than we have about Jesus? And we don't have much about Jesus. But that's as it should be, because John the Baptist wasn't the light. He was just the one to bear witness to the light. And all we know about John in his growing up years from his circumcision to the beginning of his ministry is one verse right here. Luke 1 verse 80. The child continued to grow and to become strong in spirit. And he lived in the deserts until the day of his public appearance to Israel. That's it. So what do you, ha- what do you think happened during his growing up years? Well, knowing that his father, Zacharias, was a priest, I think it's pretty safe to say that in his growing up years, he was trained by his father in the ways of a priest, wouldn't you think? No doubt, he probably spent some time around his dad's uh, friends and associates, other priests. So no doubt, I think he probably had that kind of training and upbringing. And about the time it would have been for him maybe to have been ordained as a priest, I'm just Thinking out loud here, he he headed out to the wilderness. He disappeared for a few years. And evidently nobody knew what was going on except God and John. He went out into the wilderness before his ministry, just like Jesus would later on. John Phillips speculates and says this. He says, John fled to the wilderness to receive his spiritual gifts in meditation, fasting, and prayer waiting for the day of his showing to Israel. He mastered his Bible, brought his body into subjection, thought about the Jesus of whom his parents had spoken, a man now who was six months younger than he, and gradually one rousing word took shape in his soul, Repent. And with this battle cry on his lips, he launched his one-man crusade, Repent. Interesting way to think about it. But well, we're going to see more about John in the months to come. But for now, that's all we're left with. He grew. He became strong in spirit. He was out in the wilderness until the day of his appearance in Israel. That's it. But that's not what I want to leave you with. I want to leave you with four things from this passage today very quickly. And Glennon. And, Cindy, you can come on back up, because this won't take long. (laughs) Four things I want to leave you with. Here's number one. God's delays are not denials. God's delays are not denials. So many times in our lives, when things go wrong, all we do is gripe. All we do is point out the problems. Well, God's delays are not denials. You remember the nation of Israel waited for over 400 years? I don't know what you're going through, I don't know what you're facing, but just because you can't see God working right now does not mean that God is not working. He is. And you just need to hold on. Even if it's been four weeks or four months or four years or 40 years, God's delays are not denials. Secondly, God will use you as soon as you're ready to be used, but not before. He'll use you when you're ready to be used, but not before. We saw it today when Zacharias believed God did what God said to do. Everything changed immediately at once. Same thing can happen for you and me. When we do what God says to do, things will change immediately. But not until we do what God says to do. Here's a third one. We need to remember that God will always keep His promises. That's just who He is. He's always kept His promises. He always will. He's always kept His promises in the past, and that's proof that He'll keep them in the future. And here's number four. God has given us a Redeemer, and His name is Jesus. We have that. We have Him. And you know He can give light to anyone that sets in darkness. And even those who walk in the shadow of death, he will guide their feet in the way of peace. And all I've done this morning is just to shine a little bit of light and hopefully help you see a little bit more of who Jesus is. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the way that you worked in years gone by, for the amazing things you accomplished in the fullness of time in bringing forth a Son who would be a forerunner for the Messiah and ultimately bringing forth the Messiah, the Son of the living God, a Redeemer, a Savior. Thank you, Father, for the light that you have brought to this world, And still, much of the world chooses to live in darkness. Father, help us to light up our world by sharing Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. I didn't know it, but the song that Alan picked out for Invitation fits. Go tell it on the mountain. Let's stand.